Good morning. Let me get cleaned up here real quick. First of all, thank you for all those who prayed for my foot. I obviously don't need my crutch anymore, so praise God. God answers prayer. He is good. So today we're in the series on the promises of Christmas. Um, we've looked at the promise of hope, the promise of peace, and today we get the promise of joy. It is a good message. Um, you know, as we kind of go through today's passage, you have to excuse me, today's passage is pretty familiar, but it covers, there's a lot of stuff we're going to have to talk through before I actually get to the main point. You have in your, your bulletins the, the fill in the blank, okay? So uh, you can do that when we get to it, but it'll probably be the second half of the sermon, okay? So um, that doesn't mean you can fall asleep during the first half, but, uh, uh, but it is important uh, to kind of lay the foundation for what is happening. So let's go ahead and get into it. I think uh, this is kind of a very interesting. The more I studied it, the more interesting uh, this passage became. Okay, missing one slide here. There we go. Okay. Starting from uh, Luke chapter 1, it says this, After these days, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. Now, I don't know if you remember who Elizabeth was. For those of you here two weeks ago when, when uh, Minister Dan preached, he talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is Zechariah's wife. So she is the one who was elderly. He's a priest, remember, walking in the temple. He got this promise from God that, that he would um, have a son, and even though they were well past the, the age of, of having children, and uh, he had a little trouble believing that, and because of that, that God um, kind of took away his voice. He he wasn't able to speak for, for until John was born, so nine months. Um, but uh, he was still faithful, and, and Elizabeth did conceive. So Elizabeth here, and that's the name you want to remember, uh, was, uh, was Zechariah's wife. So she became pregnant. She, she, she conceived, and she kept herself. In, now, these, these times become important. So there are a lot of things in this buildup that you kind of have to remember. First of all, that she kept herself in seclusion for five months. So in other words, as soon as, as, soon as she realized she was pregnant, I guess, or maybe even before, that she kind of hid herself away for five months, didn't see anybody. So the first time people see her, I think because if she had walked around like at one month or two months pregnant and said, I am pregnant, you know, people look at her and say, yeah, sure, you know, because she's old, right? And she shouldn't be having kids. And people would have a lot of trouble believing that she was pregnant if she went around and then she looked kind of foolish. But five months, you know, after five months, you're kind of showing and then you kind of look pregnant, okay? So if she comes out and says, I'm pregnant, nobody can say anything, right? She says, wow, okay. Either she put on a lot of weight or she is pregnant. So um, she would come out. She's pregnant. Uh, she is showing and she, she's, the baby's starting to move, right? Five months in, you're, you're almost through the second trimester, right, of, of childbirth. For those of you who have children or are going to have children, you can understand what that means. So that's, the, that's where Elizabeth is, okay? In the sixth month, so the next month after that, so now this is the end of the first tri uh, second trimester, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, again, this is very familiar, but try to remember as much of it as you can. So I'm going to give you a test later on, okay? So try to remember as much as you can about this verse. 
All right? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay? So try to put all those facts. So they're going to come up later. They're going to come up later. Okay? All right. So here's the part we're all pretty familiar with. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. So this angel appeared. I don't know how he appeared to her. It's probably different than he appeared to most people because, because she didn't fall down and, and was afraid. It doesn't say she was afraid. So something about his appearance was much less terrifying, right? I don't know. Maybe he came in the, in the form of a man or something. But something about the way that he appeared to her, it wasn't terrifying, that she didn't she didn't um, fall on her face or get totally scared. In fact, she, she was wondering, wow, this is a strange greeting, okay? And the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. What you have to understand about Mary, one of the things you need to understand is, so she is a virgin engaged to be married. Back in those days, right, in the time of Jesus, uh, this would mean that she was probably in her mid or, or, or even less teens. So 13, 14, 15 years old. Okay, some of you are youth here. There you go, right there, okay? That's where you are. You're like Mary, okay? So imagine if you got a word that you were going to be pregnant um, with the Son of God, how you would feel, and you would kind of, you understand how Mary felt, okay? So Mary, being, the, uh, being a typical girl that age, says, how could that be, right? I took six at school, and that can't happen, right? And then Mary asked the angel, how can it be since I have not had sexual relationships with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived the Son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. Three things that the angel told Mary. Again, remember these three things. One, he told her, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to have a kid. Okay. Two, that this kid is going to be the son of God. And three, that this kid is going to be born in a, in a miraculous way. Yes, you have not had sex with anybody. That's not how this kid is going to be born. Forget what you learned in school. This is totally different. So three things. She's pregnant. She's going to be pregnant. going to have a kid. That kid is going to be the Son of God. And third, this, this pregnancy is going to happen in a miraculous way. Okay? Okay. In those days, so as soon as Mary heard this, she set out, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. <clears throat> okay, so here's where it starts to get interesting. So Mary gets this word from the angel. The angel tells her, look, I know this is hard to believe. You're, you, you know, uh, you're trying to figure out how is this possible. Even though she believed enough, she believed enough. The angel said, you know, go, you know, Elizabeth, look at Elizabeth. You're your relative. 
She's way too old to have a kid. She has a kid, you know, because nothing is impossible with God. That's a sign for you that, that this, is, this could be true. So Mary's sitting there thinking, wow, okay, let me run to find it. Let me go see Elizabeth, see if this is really true, because that'll help me believe further that, that, uh, that all, everything that the angel told me. Now, what did the angel tell her? One, she would have a kid, pregnant, right? Two, the kid will be God's son, son of God. Three, the child will be born in a miraculous way, right? Three things. So, so Mary set out. She hurried, which means she left very quickly, very quickly, within days, I'd say, week at the most. She's out of the house on her way to Jerusalem, uh, on her way to, to Judah. Judah is about 80 to 100 miles away from, from Nazareth, where, 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 where Mary was. So imagine, you're a youth, uh, a 15-year-old, let's say, who, who just found out, wow, all these things that the angel promised. And you decide, wow, i got to go see Elizabeth, you know? So she jumps on her thing. Uh, I don't know how she gets there, but can you imagine, like, a 15-year-old girl getting her way 100 miles down to, to Judah to go visit her relative? Uh, I, don't, I don't think she told anybody what was going on. She didn't tell her. I'm sure she did not tell her parents, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be pregnant, so I'm going to go see Elizabeth. No way, right? That, that, that's happening. That conversation is not happening. And I think what you have to understand, too, is this journey would probably take, you know, three or four days, maybe up to a week, depending on how long, what kind of way that she went. Because of the science of the time and even the science of today, there is no way she would know if she was pregnant yet. Right? We're talking within days or weeks. There's no way. She doesn't know. She, on faith, she's, she's, she's stepping out to kind of, the angel gave her this, this promise, this sign, so she's going there. And I'm sure as she is on this journey, on the way from Nazareth to, to, to Judah, she has to be thinking, wow, can this possibly happen? Is this really true? Uh, I want to believe it. I think I believe it. But I don't know, right? I don't know because she's not feeling any different yet. You know, as far as she knows, she might not be pregnant. She doesn't know. So she hurries down to Zechariah's house and greets Elizabeth. Now, this, this is not actual picture of <laughs> Elizabeth and Mary. Obviously, these are, this is from a movie. However, it kind of, I want us to get a picture of these two women. You have an elderly Elizabeth and a young Mary, right? Face-to-face -face now, face-to-face -face in this house. <clears throat> and I want us to look at these two ladies. Look at Elizabeth. Elizabeth is, the, is a PK, all right? She's a daughter of a priest, which means she grew up surrounded by religion. Her whole life has been about the temple. Her father was a priest, right? So his whole, her whole life as a child, all the way to, to growing up, that, that all, she knew all about the temple. She knew all about scripture. All these things are embedded in her. Then she marries a priest. So she's not only the daughter of a priest, she marries a priest. So now she's really immersed, right, in, in, in the things of God. And, and everything around her is surrounded by the things of God. She lived in Judah. Judah is down where the temple is. Judah is kind of like the blessed land, right? The, the place where the temple of God is. That is where the, the true Israelites live and all these kind of things. So, so she's down there in this, in this town. 
uh, living in the place where that is spiritual, full of spiritual things. People go there to sacrifice at the temple and, and go there to, to meet God. For she's mature, she's elderly, so she's gone through a lot of life. She's lived a lot of life. She's experienced highs and lows. She's been barren, so that must, you know, that's a tough challenge. But she's, she's mature. She knows what it is to serve God. In fact, it says next that uh, it talks about Elizabeth and Zechariah. If you remember Minister Dan's sermon, she was righteous in God's eyes, blameless in everything regarding the God, God's commands. So here's a woman who has lived a long life, and in that whole life, she has been faithful. She has proven herself as a woman of God over a long period of time. Here is somebody who is um, spiritual, somebody who God's look, God looks at and, and, and blesses because she is such a, uh, a model of what it is to be a woman of God. But she was barren. Right? She was very, but now she's pregnant. And for her, pregnancy is a blessing, right? It's wow, this is amazing. After all this time and all the, the pain and all the, the, the criticism I got because I was barren, God has taken that all away. Now I'm with child. This is such a blessing. They're looking forward to the birth of their son to actually have a son, right? And then to be able to raise a child, to have somebody who will follow in the priestly lineage of, of, of Zechariah and, and her. And last, she has been told her son is going to serve the Lord in a, in a mighty way. He's going to be the forerunner. He's going to prepare the people for the Lord. That's Elizabeth. So imagine her, this, this older, elderly, older, I can't say old because that's me, but, you know, somebody my age, kind of, kind of sitting there who's all these things, a godly woman, somebody you would look up to and say, wow, there is a godly woman. Into her house comes this young girl. Look at Mary. Mary is the daughter of a villager, which means what? Probably not educated, doesn't, you know, doesn't have access to a lot of scripture, especially women at the time. They, they, they're, they're, the way that the synagogues and everything were structured, they were a little separated, right? So they didn't get all the benefit of, of the teaching. And even then, as a villager, uh, probably not that much. She didn't know a whole lot, although I'm sure because she was a Jew that she didn't know enough. She, was, she, heard, she heard the stories. She knew the, the, all the Bible stories from the Old Testament, all those things she was familiar with. But she was not a PK, right? She was not a student of the Bible or anything. Second, she's engaged to a carpenter. Now, we know later on, that Joseph was not rich. That, they were poor. They were poor. So here's a villager, uneducated girl, youth girl, 50, let's say 15 for now, 15-year-old girl engaged to, to a carpenter, and she's kind of imagining her life. I'm a villager. I was born in the village. I'm going to be in this village for the rest of my life. I'm going to marry Joseph, this carpenter. We'll eke out a living. You know, she's kind of building a picture of her life, and it's pretty average, Right? Pretty average for a villager, nothing spectacular. In fact, on the lower end, probably, because then, like I said, they were not well off. She's young. She's young. She hasn't experienced a lot of life. Doesn't know much about the world. Uh, very, very naive would be the word. Innocent. Innocent, right? At, at that time and at that age. But the angel said, you are favored in God's sight. So here's the difference, right? Elizabeth 
is righteous in God's sight because she has lived a life and she has been faithful her whole life. God looks at that woman and says, Elizabeth, you are righteous. Mary has just started. You don't know, you know, she hasn't lived life. She hasn't proven anything yet. She's just a girl. She's just a teenage girl, just starting life. God looks at her, and it's not that she has proven anything. It's God has favor upon her. Right? She had nothing, nothing to offer. Nothing about her made her worth anything. But God had favor upon her. Next. She's a virgin, but now she's pregnant. Now, for a virgin not married to be pregnant is really different than an old lady married who's been barren to be pregnant, right? To Elizabeth, pregnancy is a blessing, right? It's God taking away all those years of, of pain, bringing all a new promise. For Mary, this is a, almost a curse, right? For an unmarried girl, to be pregnant in a village. You know what villages are like, right? There's going to be gossip. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what her own family would think. You know? So for her to be pregnant is totally different. Totally different. But her son is going to be the son of God. And as I sat back and looked at this picture, I'm thinking, wow. Look at these two women. They're like from total opposite ends of the spectrum, right? You couldn't get more different than these two women who are standing together now, face to face, face to face, caring. And so, so here's, here's this little room. I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't know what their house looked like, but if it's typical of the time, probably one room, Mary and Elizabeth sitting in there talking to each other, Mary bearing Jesus, Elizabeth showing with John. So in this room are Mary and Elizabeth, John, the greatest man who ever lived, because that's what Jesus said, right? There's none greater than this man. And Jesus, the Son of God, in this room. Just, just picture that in your mind. What's the, what the amazing thing that's in this little house, this little room, that there's these two women together pregnant, but there is the greatest man who will ever live and the Son of God. Now you can pull out your pencils. Here we go. <clears throat> when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So Elizabeth is sitting in her house. Looks like she didn't expect Mary. Mary didn't send an announcement or anything saying, I'm going to be there. Because if she sent a letter, she'd probably get there the same time the letter did. Because it wasn't like back then, you know, there's no, there's no Federal Express or anything like that. The mail would have probably gone the same caravan she took uh, to get there. So usually she came there unannounced. If it's pretty typical of the time, she would poke her head in the door and say, Shalom, Elizabeth, right? That, that, that's what she was just, you have to announce yourself, right? There's probably no door. There's no door on the, on the door of those houses. You just kind of walk in and you shout your greeting so you don't surprise anybody. So she shouts in there, Shalom, Elizabeth. And immediately, as soon as Elizabeth hears the voice, just hears the voice, John leaps inside her. And she is filled with the Holy Spirit. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know she's filled with the Holy Spirit because she says three things. 
three things that she would never know because nobody told her. First, she says, blessed are you among women, your child will be blessed. He knows, she knows Mary is pregnant. Mary doesn't even know she's pregnant yet. Elizabeth does. And Elizabeth says, your child will be blessed. You have a child, and that child is going to be blessed. Second thing she says, how could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Elizabeth knew Mary's son was no ordinary baby. Elizabeth said, this son, your son, is my Lord. Is my Lord. Third, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. She knew that Mary's son was not born the conventional way. There's some, I put it up there so you know how to spell it. Okay, miraculously conceived. I before E, except I for C, right? But um, miraculously conceived. That she knew that Mary had to exercise faith to come there and, and, and to meet her. She, was, she already expressed an act of faith to be there, to believe that she, could be, that she could conceive a child without having sex. She believed that. So Mary, without hearing anything, I mean Elizabeth, without hearing anything from Mary, knew that Mary was pregnant, that Mary's son was the Lord, and that her son was miraculously conceived. What are the three things that the angel told Mary? One, you're pregnant. Two, your son will be the son of God. And three, your son will be miraculously conceived. Three things that the angel told Mary that she had to believe for this to happen. She goes to Elizabeth, doesn't tell her anything, just says, peace to you, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, Mary, you're pregnant, your, your son's going to be blessed, your son is the Lord, and third, your son is miraculously conceived. You don't think that did something for Mary's confidence? You know, the whole time she's taking this journey down to, to Judah, she had to be thinking, wow, is this really true? Can I, can, is my son really the Lord, you know, the son of God? Am I really pregnant? Can, I actually, can anybody get pregnant without having sex? You know, all these things she's thinking about. She believes it enough to take the journey. But when, as soon as she just says, hello, Mary, Elizabeth, Elizabeth confirms immediately those three things to her. You're pregnant, your son is the Lord, and three, your, your son is miraculously conceived. That explains Mary's response. Because you look at how she responds, it's kind of like most people would say, yeah, really? <laughs> you know? And, and, but, but, but Mary responds here, and she says this. So three things, three truths that Mary shares that gave her joy. As soon as Mary heard what Elizabeth said, Mary goes into this prayer. We call it the Magnificat, uh, this prayer of praise. And she says, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, in my Savior, 
because, and we'll get into three things. But today's message is the promise of joy. The promise of joy. If you look at Mary and that, that, that little picture we had of her, right? She's a, a, a person from uh, a villager. She is engaged to a carpenter. She's from Nazareth. I forgot to say, by the way, Nazareth is not looked at with much favor by the Jews. Uh, one of Jesus' disciples said, can anything good, out, good come out of Nazareth, right? Nazareth was considered the other side of the tracks, bad part of town. That's where Mary was born. That's where Mary lived. All these things but in spite of all of that, and the fact that she's pregnant as an unwed, you know, unwed person, she is still able to say, my soul, my spirit rejoices in the Lord. And that's what I, wanna, I think we want to focus on today. How is it that Mary can say, with all these things, to still say, my spirit rejoices in the Lord? Three truths. First. My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. First thing that Mary understood, God can use anyone to do his work. Anyone. She's thinking, looking at Elizabeth, she's sitting in the presence of Elizabeth, looking at this great godly woman. In her mind, she must be thinking, she should be the one who is the mother of Jesus. She should be the one. She has everything. She has the maturity. She has the faithfulness. She has the knowledge. She has, she has everything. Who am I? I have nothing except God's favor. That's it. That's the only thing she has, the favor of God. I think the first thing that Mary got, and, and again, I think very important for us to understand, is we seek, how can we find joy in whatever circumstances we're in? First is to understand God can use anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your family's like. I don't care what your, your, your career is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God will pick Mary. God will pick you. Only because he has favor on you. That's it. That's all he has to do. Just I pick you. Show you favor. You don't have to earn anything. You don't have to earn anything. But God looks at you and says, you're my child. You have my favor. You can do it. All of us here in this room. I don't care how old you are. Old, young, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Rich, poor, doesn't matter. Educated, not educated, wealthy, poor, doesn't matter. God can use you. Just because he's a God who bestows favor. Second, his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the good because... The proud, because of the thoughts of their hearts, he has toppled the mighty from their thrones, exalted the lowly, he has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. That God's ways are higher than our ways. God does things unconventionally. He does things totally opposite of the way we would do things. If we were God, we would pick Elizabeth to be Jesus' mother. But we're not God. And God says, I pick Mary. 
And we all sit there, whoa, 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 really? You want Mary? And, and if you're like a, uh, if you're a person who thinks only on logic, you kind of look at that and say, but, but she's so young. She doesn't know anything. I don't even know how much scripture she knows. She's going to, people are going to say that your son is illegitimate, right? All those things. She, she's going to be, bear a son out of wedlock. You're going to pick Mary? And we sit there and we look at that and we wonder, how could that, who, who would do that? And the answer is God would. God would. And what that means is you can look at your circumstances, you can look at things around you, and logic says one thing. But God can overrule that. You might be thinking, there's no way I can ever be this, or I could ever do this. But if God wants you to do it, you can do it. In fact, there are some things that might look hopeless to you, some situations in your life, and you look at that and say, that, there's no hope. This is never going to get better. Nothing's going to happen. But God's ways are higher than our ways. Nothing is impossible with God. Right? Mary finishes by saying this. He has helped his servant Israel. Israel. So now she's talking about the whole nation. Remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our, our ancestors. Mary doesn't know a whole lot, maybe, about the Bible. But she knows this, because this is a promise every Jew would know. The covenantal promise of God, that he is, he is going to bless the descendants of Abraham, that they will become a nation, nation of nations, that they will, they will rule the world, that the Messiah will come from them. All those things she knew. She knew. And she says, wow, these promises, you've been silent for 400 years. We thought you forgot. Or we thought we messed it up so bad that you wouldn't, you wouldn't fulfill it. You wouldn't come through because we messed it up. But no, you remembered. God, you remembered your promise. And you're keeping it now. That God always keeps his promises. Not in our time, not in our way, but he always keeps them. Always. And we get messed up because he doesn't do it when we want him to do it, or he doesn't do it the way we want him to do it, but he always does it. So Mary, looking at her circumstances, looks at this and says, my joy comes from knowing that God can use even me, God can use even me to do a wonderful work. That God works in ways I can't understand beyond my imagination. And third, that God always keeps his promises. That is the source of her joy, not her circumstances. Scripture goes on, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months. So, so she found out about Elizabeth's birth six months in, remember? Remember? So now three months have gone by, and then she leaves. So that's nine months. We don't know whether she stayed or not to, to actually see John born, but it was kind of around, right around that time, either right before he was born or right after he was born, that she went back home. That she went back home. <clears throat> but I want us to look at this. She returned 
to her home. The promise of joy is ours when we believe in the certainty of God. Here's your fill in the blank. The certainty of God and his unchanging nature, not in the uncertainty of our plans and our ever-changing circumstances. Mary had to go home. She knows now she is pregnant. She knows now this is the Son of God. And she knows now that this, this well, she always knew that this, this pregnancy was miraculous, right? She has to go home. Going home means meeting up with Joseph and telling Joseph, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Now, if you're Joseph, like Casey preached on a little while ago, what are you thinking, right? Your, your fiancé has just gone away for three months, come back, out of communication, right? She was, you don't know what's going on. You just know she went away. She comes back and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. What are you thinking? You're thinking just like Joseph, right? Okay, let's figure out how to get out of this. Should I divorce you? Should I, you know, should I put you up and get stoned? You know, all, all the different things. She reacts just like anybody would react. And if she says, Joseph, I'm pregnant, not because I had sex, but because the Holy Spirit came upon me. So if you're Joseph, what are you thinking? Yeah, right, right, right? I mean, just human, which is why the angel had to go to Joseph and kind of explain it, because otherwise he would never believe that. Who would believe that, right? Your fiancé comes back and tells you, I'm pregnant. What happened? Nothing. I, I just got pregnant. <laughs> you know, this is God's son. You know, it's kind of like, sure, right, right? And, 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 but she had to go back knowing, knowing that she had to tell Joseph, not knowing what his response would be. Typically, she, would, she had to be thinking, when I go back and tell Joseph, he will probably want to divorce me. At best, my best case scenario is that he would divorce me. Worst case scenario is that he would take me out to court and that he'd stone me for adultery. So in her mind, best case scenario, I'm going back, I'm going to get divorced, I'm going to have to bear this son by myself, I'm going to be a single mother. There's going to be criticism, judgmentalism. People are always going to be looking at me funny. I'll be the, the, the butt of all the gossip in town. Just think about that. I don't even know what my family is going to think about. When I go tell my mom and dad what happened. When Mary had to go home, nothing changed. Right? God didn't pave some miraculous way where, well, a little bit with Joseph, okay? But other than Joseph, because that was necessary, but other than Joseph, no other comments, not, nothing else. There's no gold mine waiting, lottery ticket waiting for her so that she would have no trouble raising this kid. Nothing, none of that. Her situation didn't change. But she still had joy. Knowing that this, her life was going to be hard. Harder than it was when she left. She still had joy because she believed in the certainty of God and his unchanging nature and not in the uncertainty of her plans and her ever-changing circumstances. Where do you get your joy from? 
What makes you happy? I'm not saying getting a promotion or finding a new job or getting a new girlfriend or getting married, whatever. Of course you're happy. Those things are happy. But is that what your hold, all of your joy is going to rest on? Because those things change. You may not always have that job. You may not always get a promotion. Your marriage may get difficult. Right? Those things change. And if your trust is in those for your joy, then your joy is going to be very unstable. Because those things change, so your joy is going to change. If your joy is in the certainty of God, that God can use anybody, that God's ways are higher than my ways, and that God always keeps his promises, your joy is on a rock. It doesn't change no matter what happens to your circumstances. Let me give you some takeaways. One, believe that God can use you no matter who you are. Again, I don't care who you are here. God can use you. God has a plan for you, a good plan. He has works already prepared for you to do. That's what Ephesians tells us. Every Christian, God has already prepared good works for you to do. He has a purpose for you. You have to believe no matter who you are, what your circumstances, what your background, doesn't matter. God can use you. Second, you have to trust in God, not in your plans or circumstances. Not that we shouldn't make plans. Of course you should. Not that we shouldn't be aware of our circumstances. Of course we should. But we have to hold those very loosely because God can change them at any time. And when that happens, when your dreams go down the tube, when your plans that have all mapped out get scrapped, when your circumstances that were so good suddenly change, if your trust is in those things, you will lose joy. If your trust is in the unchanging God, you will keep joy. That is where the promise of joy comes from. Third, I do want to mention this. For those of us who have not yet done this, this is the key thing. Put your faith in Christ. The angel talking to the shepherds when Jesus was born says this. Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah the Lord. That the, Jesus is the key to turn it all around. Wherever your life is right now, however good or bad it is, believing in Jesus turns it around because he's the Savior. He connects us to this unchanging God who is the promise of joy. So we, as Christians, we need to connect with God more. If you are not yet put your faith in Christ, I encourage you. I can't encourage you enough to do that because that is what will bring unchanging joy into your life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for these two women who represent such different sides of human existence, Lord. One who is old and faithful and, and knowledgeable and, and, and just so godly. And this other young girl who's just starting life and doesn't know what lies ahead of her, has very little to start with. But God, doesn't matter. You use both of them. You have great plans for both of them. And Lord, we can take comfort or we can take encouragement or we can take challenge knowing that you can use us. You want to use us no matter who we are, where we're from, where we're at. 
you want to use us and that you have already prepared good works for us. Father, help us to put our faith in you, the unchanging God, so that our faith may be stable and strong. And I do want to put out an invitation for those of you who have not yet put your faith in Christ. He's the answer. He's the difference maker. He can take a life that is ordinary and make it extraordinary. But you have to allow him to do that. You have to exercise faith. And just like Mary, if you exercise some faith, God will confirm that faith and bring more and more confirmation that this was a good decision. But you need to take that first step. You need to take that journey to Judah. You need to, to come to Christ first. Yeah, with everybody says, well, I do want to just quick invitation. Anybody here who you never accepted Christ before and you want to do that, will you just raise your hand real quick and then we'll just say a quick prayer for you? Give you opportunity that, that if you've never done it, here's your chance to, to get connected to unchanging joy, the promise of joy. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I come before you. Pray for those who lifted their hands. Ask Father that you would speak to them. Help them to believe in you, to put their faith in you, to be willing to step out of their lives, to give up their own agendas, to give up their own wisdom, and to follow Christ, to get to know you, to read your word, to do what you say. And I know that as they do this, just as you did for me, you will confirm it more and more that this is the right choice and that you will bring joy into their lives. Father, we thank you because you are a loving God, the God of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.